Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Please turn to Luke chapter 18, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. And we're going to talk about mainly one aspect of prayer. And so this is um, not going to be um, a a topical about every single point or aspect about prayer, but a certain aspect that, that Jesus pointed out to his disciples at a certain point in history. And so in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And so he's referring to all humans, men and women, boys and girls, that that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. Or in other words, become discouraged. And in verse two, he said this, that uh, there was in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard or have respect for man. And so once again, you see Jesus sharing this parable with his disciples or his followers. And a parable, by the way, is is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. A parable, once again, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so before sharing the words of Jesus's parable, the gospel writer, in this case, Luke, He mentioned the purpose of it. And so you see the purpose of this parable in verse one, that that men, that people ought always to pray and not become discouraged. So we see that purpose right off the bat, even before Jesus um, even shares uh, the parable. And so Jesus go ahead and he proceeds to tell it and He begins to give insight to the first character in this parable. And so the first character is a judge. And by the way, this judge wasn't necessarily in the courtroom like the courtrooms we're used to in the United States. And so it wasn't necessarily a building, but it was a tent that moved from place to place as the judge would go around his circuit and do his job as judge. And so this judge at this point, he set up his tent in a certain city. And we find out some things about this judge. And the things that we find out about this judge are not good. You see, this judge is not someone who you would want to judge in your matter. And why is that? If you have a situation, you wouldn't necessarily bring it to this judge. Why? Well, first of all, he doesn't respect God. Then second of all, he didn't have any respect for other humans. And so no respect for God and no respect for those who are made in the image of God. So right off the bat, this is not a judge you will want to go to to resolve your issue. But then in verse three in Luke chapter 18, Jesus brings up another character in this parable. And this character is a widow. It says, now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary or from my opponent. I need justice, judge. 
And so this widow, this widow is someone who is a representative of the vulnerable in our society. She could be easily taken advantage of. You see, some widows in the ancient world, they could easily end up poor because they depended on other people for help. And so she's in that type of position. Not only that, but she doesn't have an advocate with her. She is going before this unjust judge by herself, pleading her case, asking for justice from her adversary, from her opponent. She's in a disadvantaged position with her simple request. Vindicate me. In other words, defend me. Recognize my rights. My opponent wronged me. I need your help, judge. You don't respect God and you don't respect man, but but you're a judge. I'm coming to you to vindicate me. In verse 4, it says, and he would not. This judge, this unjust judge, he would not vindicate her. He would not insist on the recognition of her rights or, or, or defend her for a while. But it says afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor respect or regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, she is pesterizing me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. And so, so this judge, in other words, is saying that th- this widow is a pest to me. And I've been called a lot of things. And, and one thing I remember being called is a pest. I pesterized my wife. I just like messing with her. It, it's fun to, to mess with her. She calls me a pest. And so this, this widow was troubling, was pesterizing this judge, according to him. Because she pesterizes me so much. Now, I'm just tired of it. You know, I'm going to go ahead and avenge her. I'm going to go ahead and give her justice. I'm going to go ahead and give her legal protection. Lest by her continual coming, she's going to keep on coming to me, pesterizing me, bothering me. And as she continues to do that, she's going to wear me out. And so this unsympathetic, unjust judge decided to fulfill her request only because he was tired of her bothering him. And it's funny because when you look behind the word that where it says by her continual coming, she weary me or wears me out, that, that could also mean that she gives me a black eye, literally. Or, or she hits me under my eye and, and, and it means that she can ruin my reputation. She keeps coming. I keep ignoring her. She's pestering me. She's bothering me. She won't go away. She's like a gnat. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to avenge her. I'm going to recognize her rights. I'm going to do what's right by this widow. And just like this unjust judge, unfortunately, there are people in the world who only do something for you for their benefit. You see, he only did something for this widow. He only decided to avenge her because it would benefit him, because it would cause her to stop pesterizing him. And there are some people like that today. 
I'm, I'm not doing this because I love God, some people would say. I'm not doing this because I'm a Christian, some people say. I'm not doing this because I'm religious. I'm, I'm not even doing this because I, I love people. I'm, I'm just doing it because it'll, it'll help me. It'll look good on my resume. It'll get people to stop asking me. I'm so some people will only help you if it benefits them. Only do the right thing if it helps them. And I just wonder tonight, do you find yourself doing the right thing only because it helps you out? If that's the case, then that's the wrong motive. You might as well not do it. It doesn't even count with God. Even as a believer, you're as a believer, as a true born again believer, you're saved. But you won't receive any reward for that work if it's done with an impure motive. Or do you do it because you love the Lord? Do you do it because you you want to obey the Lord? And by the way, obedience is a sign of love for the Lord, because Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love it? Do do, do you do it because you love people, the people who are made in the image of God? Or do you find yourself doing the right thing because you're just like that unjust judge? That's the time for evaluation. Luke 18, verse six, it says, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect or chosen ones who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Or, or, or one translation asked the question, will he keep putting them off or will he, speaking of God the Father, will he delay to help them, speaking of his chosen ones, the believers, the elect? So what this is showing is that God is unlike, he is unlike this unjust judge. It's not showing us that God is, uh, you know, pesterized by us when we come to him in prayer. That's not what it's showing. But it's showing how different God is from this unjust judge. Now, even though this judge is not a just judge, yet and still he does the right thing, albeit for the wrong reasons. But once again, God, our father is not like that. He's going to avenge his own elect. How much more will he do that? For those who cry to him day and night. How much better is God than this unjust judge? And so you're really not looking at a comparison when you look at the similarities. That's what when you compare, you look at similarities. You're looking at a contrast. God is so different from this unjust judge. In verse eight, it says, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, that he speaking of God, the father. He will avenge, he will grant justice to them. That is to his chosen ones, his, his children. And to become a child of God, you repent and you put your faith in Christ. You're not a child of God just because you're human. You have to be born into the family of God, just like you are born into your uh, physical family, your blood family. You were born into your family. You didn't have a choice with that. So as crazy as some of your family members are, yeah, you didn't have a choice in that. You just love on them. You pray for them. But you do have a choice in being a part of the family of God. 
repent and put your trust in Jesus for salvation. And you can call yourself a child of God, not just call yourself a child of God, but it'll be true. And he says that he'll come to them speedily. Now, speedily doesn't mean swiftly. We see speedily. We think, oh, he's going to come quickly. It doesn't mean immediately. It means that God will move without delay when the time is right. When the time is right, he's going to move without delay. But it doesn't necessarily mean in the next minute that he's going to do his thing in the next minute or second. He can, but it doesn't necessarily mean that when you see speedily. It just means, once again, he'll move without delay when the timing is right in his plan. And Jesus goes on to say in Luke uh, 18 and 8, he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith? Will he really find faithfulness? In other words, really, will he really find that kind of faith that the widow had on the earth when he comes back? See, notice that Jesus, by the way, calls himself uh, the Son of Man. When the Son of Man comes. So not only did he assure us of the fact that he is coming again, but, but he called himself the son of man. What, what does that mean? See, the, the Jews understood that that phrase, son of man, it, it, it referred to the Messiah. They understood that. And so to call Christ the son of man was, was pretty much equal to calling him the son of God. Which means that he has the same nature as God. Which means that he is God. So the son of man is a title of deity, but it also implies that he is truly human. And he's also the representative of all humanity. That, that's why he can be our perfect sacrifice and die on the cross in our place. And when he died on the cross in our place, he was taking the wrath of the father upon himself because the wages of sin is death. Sin has to be dealt with because God is a God of justice. You see, he can't be a God of justice if he lets sin go unpunished. But, but here's the deal. He didn't want us to be separated from him for eternity in hell. Therefore, he sent the only begotten son, his unique son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. He said, okay, my, my wrath has to be satisfied. And I want people to live, my creation to live. And so, of course, Jesus stepped in. He took that wrath upon himself. And at this point, forgiveness, because of that forgiveness, mercy, grace, salvation is offered to everybody. But only some will apply it because only some will repent and put their trust in Christ for salvation. And so this son of man implies once again he's truly human he's a representative of all humanity humanity he is deity he is the messiah messiah or the christ but notice i just love that question when he when he does come back will he find faith on the earth will he find in other words that widow type of faith and what type of faith did she have she had that persistent faith the faith that doesn't give up Will he find persistent faith on the earth? Will believers, the, uh, although we're waiting on Christ and, 
and we're facing certain issues and being persecuted on this earth, some more than others. Well, when Jesus comes back, will he find that persistent faith or will he see people being hopeless and in a state of quitting? As we wait for him to come back and avenge us, we are to hang in there with our faith and in prayer. So, so not only in the case of persecution and wanting God to avenge us, should we be persistent in our faith and persistent in prayer, but in all prayer, we should be persistent. Not that, not that we're, be, we're, we're bugging God. We have to nag God. But it demonstrates our faith in God. It, it demonstrates the fact that we're depending on God when we pray to him persistently. See, the scriptures are clear that we should pray, keep praying and pray some more without giving up. First Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. Throughout the day, pray, almost like you, you inhale and exhale as you're breathing. Just throughout the day, praying. Or like an intermittent cough. If you, you know, ever had a cough before, had a cold or getting over a cold, you're coughing throughout the day. We're to be praying throughout the day. Constant communication with God. That's what prayer is. We're talking to God. We don't have to use the words thee and thou. Even if we don't know exactly what to pray for, the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. And the Holy Spirit always prays according to the will of the Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're one. Colossians 4.2 says, continue earnestly in prayer. In other words, devote yourselves in prayer. Be vigilant. Vigilant, that means to give strict attention to. So be vigilant in it with thanksgiving, that is, in prayer. And so based on the scriptures we covered and elsewhere in the Bible, we can come to the following conclusions about prayer, especially in regard to persistent prayer, that prayer that never quits, that prayer that never gives up. See, first of all, we see that in persistent prayer that we can pray during any time of the day. We, we can pray no matter the problem. And we can pray until we get an answer. If God gives you an answer and you don't like it, you don't continue to pray to change his mind. You don't pray to change the mind of God. As many preachers have taught, prayer changes us. We're communicating with God and whatever his will is, we receive that. And we move on to the next prayer. But pray until you get an answer. Like this widow did. I have a question tonight before we break up in the prayer. What are you praying about? What have you been praying about? What have you been praying about? And, and it hasn't come to pass. You haven't received an answer. Maybe it's something with some type of relationship. Maybe it's within your marriage. Maybe you've been praying for one of your children or a sibling. Maybe you've been praying for a classmate. Maybe you've been praying to get into a certain school or to get hired at a particular job. Maybe you've been praying for a health issue to be fixed. Been praying for healing or whatever it may be. What have you been praying for? 
And maybe right now you're on the verge of quitting. The enemy's whispering in your ear. He doesn't hear you. You're not good enough. There's other Christians more spiritual than you do. The enemy's whispering in your ear. But I would say don't quit. Because your heavenly father, unlike this unjust judge, your heavenly father wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. He loves it when we come to him and spend that time with him in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to come to you in prayer. Thank you for all the prayers you've answered and the prayers you will, you, you will answer, Father. And we, we pray over this time as we break off in the groups. We pray that you would help us to pray according to your will. We pray that you would move in every circumstance that is brought up. We pray that you would move in every life uh, that is brought up, every person's life who is brought up in these prayers. We, we, we pray, Father, that we will pray with confidence, knowing that you are the almighty God, that there is nothing impossible for you. Help us to pray that type of prayer, the, the prayer of faith, the persistent prayers. Help us, Lord, to not give up. And Lord, help us to pray with the heart of expectancy, expecting you to answer. And you're going to answer in your timing, not according to our time. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.